0: Hello and welcome back to the Sanderlanch Podcast. Today we are talking about Mistborn, the Hero of Ages, chapters 4, 5, 6, and 7. I am Joe, and with me as always is... Jamie.
1: Dak. And Data.
0: Yes, we're here, and uh, we're talking about these chapters wherein says is sad, and it's sad, and religion <laughs> is terrible, and it's very sad. And then also vin and ellen find some secret caves and we find out that they've actually been hunting a lot of these caves since they found the first one in luthadel which is pretty cool and marshes wants to die because ruin's controlling him it sucks ten about to go to trial he seems kind of excited about it honestly uh so hold on to something the sander Lynch is about to begin as the towers of steel and stone crumble to die
2: Down. As a river comes to ground, you turn to face it down because you burn.
1: Yeah, so these chapters are uh, – we're setting stuff up, but I think some of my favorite parts of these chapters may be the epigraphs because we're getting lots of cool information there. So what did you guys think of these three chapters?
0: Uh, there are four chapters, right?
1: There were four chapters. I, that's what I said. I said, what did you think of these four chapters? <laughs> <You> just, <laughs> that's like, Why do like
0: too many chapters? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm used to last book. We did three so yeah. often, and it's it's different now.
0: Yeah, I uh, I enjoyed these chapters. Pretty cool stuff. I feel like it's, it's happening now it's almost like this whole since this is the last book in the trilogy it's almost like this whole book is the sanderlanch um so far anyway maybe it'll slow down going forward but for i feel like we're getting a lot of cool stuff says being you know so bereft over tinwill's lost it, it's very sad we f- we feel mm-hmm. for says because you know he was our introduction to the terraceman and and he's just such a he's such an uh, an amazing person in these books and a great guy could still possibly be evil from my predictions way back in the first book. Who knows? <laughs> um, but it's just it's sad to see him this way. But I would actually need to back up. So uh, the epigraph, the first epigraph, he t- is talking about Roshak. So I think we can pretty much safely say that it's not being written by Roshak. Yep. Um, killed that one. Yeah. So that was good. And then um, what else do we have? We had Vin and Ellen working together, married couple, loving it, loving each other. Uh, protecting each other. They're talking about how, they, I, they, we've put it together, but I feel like they haven't quite put it together that, that these Inquisitors seem to be using Pharaoh Kimmy. And then them finding the cave, I, I think that's kind of neat that there are multiple caves. I'm not sure if I agree that they're written. the plates are written by rashek but I don't have a theory as to who it could be other than him. So we'll move on from that. Anytime we get Marsha's perspective, it's just kind of creepy and sad. Because there's not much he can do, and obviously he doesn't want to be doing what he's doing, but can't help. Tenson right. has has some really interesting stuff going on, and I I hope it, it's just like we're getting little nuggets about the Condra each time. So I'm really mm-hmm. um, excited to hear more of his part of the story. But yeah, I, I liked uh, I liked every chapter.
2: Good. Yeah, I would agree with you. I thought these were really good, and I think the pace of starting this book has been really good. It, I I guess we almost need to look at it like books two and three as one continuing story so it would feel weird to sort of slow right down now and go back to a whole bunch of politics or, or anything like that especially now that Ellen's got misborn powers and you know just th- there's so much already going on here so I yeah I'm enjoying the pace and that we haven't just been sitting in Lutherdale some more you know we are exploring other areas which is really nice. I thought the caves were really interesting i I'm not sure that they're going to find a whole bunch of adium at the end. And, Mm. I mean, who knows what they might find. But I think it's really interesting that all these sort of survival bunkers have been set up. And what we're getting out of the epigraphs as well, especially the ideas that we've had of, okay, well, what terraforming has Rushek actually been able to do? And and sort of thinking about, okay, well, you know, while not exactly a good person, he was actually trying to do some good things. He was just terribly misguided, Mm -hmm. I think, as a person and not realising the consequences that those actions would take as well by doing what he did. So I'm really enjoying getting a little bit more insight, I guess, into these powers, even though we haven't really seen what's happening with them yet. Like we haven't had anyone's account of what it's actually like to have these powers apart from the epigraphs. Yeah, and just getting those little bits extra about the Kandra as well. I really like this, this chapter and their true True bodies, I think it was called, true yeah. true bones or something. Um, I thought that was really interesting that they actually can do that as well. Yeah, really good read. Really enjoying it.
1: Yeah, it's interesting to see some of the the conjure stuff and the. I think the true bodies are a cool idea where it's like we're turn our bodies into art basically.
2: Hmm.
3: Yeah, uh, like everyone said, like the epigraphs are really good just because it's giving us a lot more into insight into Rushek than we've really had before because beyond. All, we, all we've really known about Raschek up to this point is like genocidal warlord um, mm. trying to save the planet, thinks he's doing the right thing. And now all of a sudden we're getting all this more information about what he could actually do and why uh, he was trying to do it. Like what he was actually hoping to gain out of, yeah, creating volcanoes and whatnot. Or, if, or yeah, really. Yeah, it's... it's <laughs> like We're that, just pleased that's, that
2: he created volcanoes. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, I will never let that go. <laughs> I will hold on to that. Like, we'll, we'll be up to Rhythm of War, and I'll still be talking about that. Everyone's just like, oh, my God, shut up.
1: <laughs>
3: Volcano <laughs> but, dude, um,
1: you know, it, that's how it is.
3: Yeah. But, um, yeah, like, it's just, it's good to, you know, catch up with some of the characters we haven't seen yet. Like, we see Sazed and Breeze here doing their thing, which is cool. Breeze seems like he's in a pretty good place, which as well, I don't think I really liked him to start with, but I've gotten kind of fond of this twit, so. <laughs> like, I'm good to, Good, good to see that he's doing all right, especially after, you know, he basically got PTSD at the end of the last book. Right. I, I agree with Joe. The stuff with Marsh is really creepy and sad, but I am still fascinated whenever it comes up. I'm kind of glad that he showed up in a chapter because I was just, when he showed up uh, doing the prologue, I'm like, is that the only time we'll get insight into his head and we'll just see him periodically through other people's eyes throughout the book? And then this chapter confirmed. Nope. He's still, we're going to see him, see what he sees a lot more, which I'm glad for because I think he's one of those characters who throughout the first and second book because he was so often just in the background like we knew he was out there we didn't know what he was doing i felt like oh i want to know more about this guy and, and so now we're going to get that which is cool and yeah the candor stuff is just fascinating i've wanted for ages to see more of their society and now we're getting that in overdose and i am loving and i'm just like <laughs> yes give me more give me more yeah there's
1: definitely some interesting and i and- I like Marsh was one of the like least developed characters in the first book because we met him like a couple times and he gave Vin like one lesson and that's really all we saw of him. That's and, true.
3: Yeah. He was one of, one of the least developed characters, but uh, what we did see of him in the first book still made him interesting. I'm just like, I want more. I'll, it wasn't like he was just a flat character and it's like, oh, well, we don't really need to see much more of him anymore. It's like, no, there was a lot to this guy.
1: Yeah, I agree. And y- you could tell that he had some depth. You just didn't, We didn't get to develop any of it. And then in the last book, all we saw was him being kind of weird. And then, you know, the very end with the fight. And so it is nice to finally, after two books, kind of get some get into his head a little bit, even though it's a very scary place to be at the moment. Okay, I guess let's get into these. The first epigraph, this person is, I guess, really theorizing. Well, they say they believe this is what happened. Like this is what they believe happened. Because the last epigraph was talking about how, or the one before that, I remember, was like, you know, I have all this power, I could move a planet, but I wouldn't know where to put it, Like I don't have that knowledge. And that's what this one is saying, it's like, I I, I think that's what Rashek did. He wanted to move the planet closer to the sun, to burn away the mists, to, you know, save people from the deepness, but he pushed it too far and made it too hot for people. And so he realized, well, crap, I, I, I don't know how to move a planet around right, so I gotta stop doing that we'll fix this too hot situation another way, and that's where the ash mounts come in, and they spew so much ash that uh, they make the world cooler. And actually, little sort of fun fact, which may have been implied when I talked about it earlier, but the, uh, the final empire, the landmass that is the final empire, is, like, at the north pole of this planet, so it's one of the coolest places even before, you know, the ash mounts. So, given how close it is to the sun, most of the surface
3: of the planet is probably uninhabitable. I have wondered that, because, like... They they say oh he rules over the planet and I look at that map and like that doesn't seem that big how like how big is this place um yeah. so if the rest of the planet is uninhabitable that would go a long way to explaining no oh, yeah it's just swathes of basically the Australian outback where a lot of people can't <laughs> live
1: and <laughs> I, I don't know how I, don't, I honestly have no idea how much of it is land I've often thought about it like at the you know at the equator of this planet is it ocean and it's just like boiling ocean you couldn't even sail through there I don't know Ooh, that would be cool. It's actually slightly it? more complicated than I'm making it out to be. But yeah, it's the North Pole, basically.
3: Yeah, yeah. Well, all the compasses point towards Luther, deal, don't they? Yes, they are. So, yeah, it's it's north. That makes sense. So then we cut to Sazed
1: is now the chief ambassador of the new empire. And he's reading about one of his uh, religions. And we find out in this chapter that, and I am might just jump to that part to explain it as we go through. But we find out in this chapter that he's he doesn't wear his metal mines anymore, but before he took them off, he went through all the religions and wrote them all down so that he would have them in this big folder. And he has been going Which, through the religions one at a time.
2: Can I just add to that? Yep. Knowing what he knows about how paper can be manipulated. Why would he do that?
1: That's an interesting point, actually. I hadn't thought of that. I mean, it may be that he doesn't think Ruin would care about what he, about yeah. the religions he's writing down, but I don't know. That's a good point. It's
2: possible, uh, but it, he's it, considering like the terrorist religion being completely wiped out as well. Like who's yeah. to say that Ruin didn't do that?
0: Hmm. Yeah, but they're saying that – but they said that he can change metal mines too, so it really doesn't matter if it's in True. his metal mind or on paper.
1: Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. You have a point. Even um, if he pulled everything out of his metal mind and, like, wrote it into metal, it would be too late because it could have been changed. Yeah. yeah.
0: Hmm. And I just – I feel like this quest for Sazed isn't going to lead him to a good place.
2: What he's, he's going a, for is not in that –
0: Right. It's not, it's so not in his folder. Yeah. And he's so excited to keep looking through it. And he's like, I'm two thirds of the way through. Surely I'm going to find it soon. It's just like, I don't feel like it's going to end up being what he wants. So, no,
2: you don't
1: think he's going to find truth in one of these religions.
2: I think he's trying to find something that is gone and he is keeping himself busy mm. to distract himself.
1: Yeah. And it, it really, it does seem like kind of a, just a distraction. So he's going through these religions, trying to find one that doesn't contradict itself and that it has truth that he can believe in. And it hasn't worked yet. He, Joe said he's two thirds of the way through. And uh, so far, nothing. I'm sure by the time he gets to the end, it'll be fine. right? There'll be a really good one in there somewhere. And he, the one that he's thinking about now is the Kanzi religion. And when he gets to the end, he's just like notes, logically inconsistent, obviously untrue. And Breeze is like, Hey, what are you doing? And say, so he's like, Oh, no, nothing. <laughs> And uh, Breeze is like, oh, you're always looking at these papers. What's the deal with that? And says so like, I don't, I don't really want to talk about it. And Bree's like, okay then. And so apparently they are in Lecall City, where Jasti's Lecall's uncle is in charge. We find out. And I don't, if you remember from the last book, Jasti shows up with his army of Kolos because he said that you know he took charge. And he tried to do what Ellen and them had all planned and trust his allies and stuff, and that they slaughtered his whole family, even the babies. And so either his uncle is the one that did that, or maybe, like, his uncle came back and took it over from whoever killed the rest of the family. I don't know. I just thought it was weird that his uncle is the one who is in charge here.
3: I did wonder about that. That was kind of a vital part of Jastise's motivations. Yeah. Yeah. And I. I, I just sort of pictured, oh, maybe the uncle, like, survived, and they, they tossed him in, like, you know, the pit full of dead bodies, and he was actually still alive, and he just crawled his way out and, like, came back Punisher-style. <laughs> the Punisher King? That would be pretty bad. I, that guy wouldn't uh, surrender to Ellen Venture,
1: though. Yeah, true. But uh, they have come as ambassadors to uh, basically get King LaCall to agree to uh, be subservient to Emperor Ellen Venture. And so there, Sazed and Breeze are waiting outside while they think it over. One interesting note is that uh, apparently the terrorist people are still determined to kind of rule themselves. Like we saw in the last book, the guy was like, hey, you think, you know, Emperor King Venture would take us in? Maybe we were too proud to like decra- declare ourselves free. But from the way Say's thinks about it here, it's like even after the leaders were slaughtered by the Steel Inquisitors, they're still determined to rule themselves and call no man master again. Which then he points out is kind of hypocritical, since the Lord Ruler was actually a terrorist man in the first place,
3: but... But no one knew that.
1: no. Nope. And of course, Breeze is griping. He's like, man, it's taking them long enough. You'd think that they would have figured out whether or not they were going to sign by now.
3: Of course, Breeze is just like, ah, oh, come on, let's get this over with. I've got to get back to my fridge.
1: <laughs> well, he's got a <laughs> cup in his hand, so, you know, he's not totally out of,
3: uh... uh I, I know, but, like, Breeze with wine... Uh... Know, there, there, there was one episode of The Simpsons where Barney was talking, like, around at Homer's place, and he just goes, Homer, I'm a little worried about the beer situation. After we finish this case and the next case and the next case, the next case there's only one case left. Oh,
1: uh, yeah.
3: That's Breeze and his wine.
1: Yeah, no, I see <laughs> that. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Barney. He's okay. He's okay for now, at least. Maybe, uh, I don't know, we'll have to see about this wine. I assume traveling, it's hard to get all the wine that you uh, that you want. Yeah, Probably it has gotta be like all brings like all of the, the like horses packed with all her clothes and Breeze has
3: like two or three just carrying wine. He's <laughs> got a, those those dogs that carry like those tiny kegs around their necks, <laughs> he's just got like a small <laughs> army of them. And so
1: at, at one point Saised calls Breeze out when he's acting, you know, all uh he's like, Oh, you know, I'm just so calculating stuff and says is like, I know you're a good guy. And then you try to hide it, but we all know that like, you know, the truth about you. And Breeze is like offended he's like uh it's not at all polite to point out that a crusty old pessimist a crusty old pessimist's dark inner secret i like i like this interaction with Sazed and breeze breeze doesn't have clubs around anymore to uh buddy with and call him on his shit but uh, even all depressed Sazed is uh taking up that a little bit it's so like god forbid he can talk to ham <laughs> we don't know where ham is actually i don't think we've seen no. him yet. no
3: we haven't I last, think he's the last book, one he was... from the crowd
1: he, he was guarding Ellen last book, like he was his bodyguard or captain of the guard or something, so he may still be doing that, who knows. Of course, Ellen doesn't need it as much now.
3: Well, he didn't show up for the fight, so...
2: That's true. No, but he did say he'd left his camp. Like, they didn't just come straight from Luthardel. Ah, point. So Ham could be with, presumably, a whole bunch of other soldiers.
1: And so H- Saist and Breeze debate the uh, the morality of coming and basically forcing this guy to become uh, subservient to Ellen and breeze is like hey you know it'll give them the protection of ellen's armies which presumably are a bunch of coloss at this point i don't know and says like well we did bully him and breeze is like well yeah but his nephew also sent an army of coloss to destroy Luthadel. so really he's lucky that we're not doing more than that and then they get a little uh, a little more heartfelt where breeze is like it still hurts doesn't it says so like yeah that's very sad i, I hate seeing says sad and uh then breeze is like hey uh, I know what will cheer you up. Why don't you try to convert me to one of those religions? And uh, he kind of uh, he gets kind of insistent and says he's like, no, I don't do that anymore. God damn, Breeze read a room.
2: <laughs> <laughs> You're supposed yes. to be good at that. Not a, I mean, Breeze is Breeze is trying to help him cheer up a little bit and and tap into something that he's passionate about, but to find out that his passion for that is also gone, like, it's like no, he's actually in a really dark place right now.
3: And I feel like if Breeze is meant to be good at picking up on people's emotions or whatnot and for him and for Say's to immediately just go no i'm not doing that i feel like that should be an immediate red flag for breeze just go oh something ain't, ain't quite right in Say's town
2: hmm.
3: but he, he says
1: he stopped wearing his metal
3: mines almost
1: a year ago so his identity as a keeper is kind of gone without uh, his metal mines that was like his whole purpose for being really so it's even sadder than
2: I mean, for him, it's, it's the loss of Tindwell, but it's the loss of his culture as well. Like, as far as he's, he's concerned, he's the last. And yep. there won't be any more because of the breeding programs. It's like, well, yep. this is it. You know, there's no point finding anything new. I might try and look for answers in here. That's, that's probably as good as we're going to get at this point. There's no point continuing with this.
1: Yeah, it says in the last year, none of the traveling keepers had showed up as refugees to Ellen's domain. So there's every chance that he may be the last one. And you gotta figure that uh, after they took the Synod, the uh, Inquisitors might be hunting down those other keepers. Absolutely.
0: Juicy, juicy powers. Yeah. Delicious blood powers.
3: <laughs> now remember, Fry, when you kill an enemy, eat his heart to gain his courage. His tasty, tasty courage. <laughs> I was gonna eat that mummy. Uh,
1: <laughs> Breeze kind of pushes like the religion thing and finally says, is like. Look, if there was a god, do you think that he would have let all these things happen? I can't teach religions anymore. Not if they can't answer my questions. Never again. And Breeze like, oh, geez. Okay. Touched a nerve. But he's like, I don't believe you. You're not meant to be an atheist, Sazed. I have a feeling you'll be no good at it. Doesn't suit you at all. And we also find out that Sazed is the one who kind of pulled Breeze through what happened after uh, the siege at Luthadel. He's like, without you, I would still be like, trapped inside my own head basically so maybe that explains this uh, friendship that seems to have developed a little bit here
0: don't do it says everybody breeze is friends with dies
1: <laughs> ham is still around
3: Orien is still around
0: yeah
1: Kelsier died
3: or? clubs died i mean you can say that about any of them though that's kind of true yeah it's really like, it's like, when vin you, showed you up you can say the same happening yeah it's like hey breeze don't be friends with Say's. people around him die or go crazy. Look at Marsh.
1: Don't mind if I do. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and that's when the door opens and a guy comes out with the, uh, I said contract, I guess the treaty, and it says King Lacall had signed at the bottom and his signature was very small and cramped in the large space allotted for it. He knew he was beaten. That's so You can't just sign with an X. <laughs> Mission accomplished. You can't all sign with an X. <laughs> So that's what Sazed and Breeze are up to. I'm glad that we stopped by to see them. Uh, It's been, you know, it's
3: been a little bit. It just gives us context of what else is happening out in the world.
1: Yeah, Ellen's empire is expanding, and Sazed is the chief ambassador. Good for him, I guess. Keep busy. You gotta keep busy. That's important. So we get the next epigraph, where it says, Each time Roshik tried to fix things, he made them worse. He had to change the plants to make them be able to survive in the new harsh environment, But those plants were less nutritious, and also the falling ash made men sick, so he had to change people also so that they could survive.
0: Yeah, we've never really talked about that, but I mean, I guess that's a really good point. Like, all throughout this book series, ash is falling constantly. Like, that makes normal people sick, Mm -hmm. but we never really talked about the fact that these people are just fine.
1: Mm, yeah i guess you just assume that since it's a normal part of their life that they deal with it in some way that maybe they'd evolve to handle it if that's how things are here but apparently it was a little more active involvement than that
3: just picturing rashek sitting over a desk just going for fuck's sake now i have got to fix this too god all right where are my plans for the people he just got like a the (laughs) was the, the vitruvian man he's like all right so if i just make a little change here he's just fiddling around
1: uh, so we cut back to ellen just after he, the the inquisitor has been not beheaded exactly squished
0: i guess yeah, pulverized
1: yeah there you go that's good that's word. and vin is like he was moving too fast ellen's like hey he must have just had a Dur- or something
0: You'd think after all this time, like, he even has kind of an inner thing here. Like, oh, she's usually right about stuff, but I'm just going to act like she's not right. <laughs> Dude, what's wrong with you? Like, your wife is telling you something. She's usually right. Why aren't you listening to her? He just
2: likes Maybe to play devil's whole... advocate with her.
3: Mm. Well, well, it probably debate. is actually healthy, given the last time she thought she was right, she unleashed ruin. Ah, uh, that's also true.
2: <laughs> Let's just bring her down a peg, shall we? <laughs> <laughs>
1: not her fault she was trying her best
3: I know oh, I'm, I'm not she saying she did the like, best to, she could
2: with the information she had
3: yeah 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 and I think Ellen probably would have done the same thing in her position it's just more the fact that's like at the end of the day she's not always right like she does need to occasionally think about like or at least just have like the discussion rather than just instantly assume
1: yeah well and, and I mean she I mean she comes back she's like no that wasn't her lumen it was too fast for that and that's when he's thinking like I don't know, was it really that fast, but Vin does have a habit of being right, just like Joe says. And then maybe they would have had a discussion about it, but Vin goes over and starts messing with the corpse and he's like, hey, respect the dead. And she's like, "Uh, excuse me? No, I don't respect these
3: things. (laughs) Also, just on on that topic, it's like, remember Ellen's character in the first book was like, he would just have like philosophical discussions with people all the time anyway. So he's probably just used to someone says something and he would just go, oh, but maybe. Yeah, I feel like that's his personality really. Especially,
1: I mean, he's got to be more kingly now with most people, sure of himself, and he can't be, like, this debating sort of person. But with Vin, he can kind of be more himself, I think. Yeah. And so they uh, they start looking over the Inquisitor, and it has ten spikes. And here's where we start getting into specifics about what they're made of, which we've just been talking about last episode. Two through the eyes and one through the shoulders, all steel. Then six in the ribs, two steel, four bronze, and now this one, a pewter one. And he was trying to stab Ellen with a steel one. So there definitely seems to be different spikes for different things here. Mm-hmm. And this is where Ellen's like, huh, maybe they don't, like, use alamancy at all. Maybe they have some third power.
0: Veruca, I mean, uh, wait, no, what's it called? allergy
1: Hemalergy. allergy And then Vin's like, yeah, maybe. Anyway, we're going to have to cut open his stomach to see if he has any at him. <laughs>
0: Yeah. <laughs> she's like he's like oh man stomach duty again <laughs> <laughs>
1: and apparently none of the ones they fought have had adium that they've been able to find but they always burn electrum just
3: in case yeah i mean probably a good habit to get into yeah definitely
1: and this is where she's like we're missing something here alan like we're like children playing a game we've watched our parents play but not really knowing any of the rules and also our opponent created the game in the first place it's kind of true like they have no idea what ruin is doing they don't even know what it's called, or that it's doing anything at this point. Like Ellen's like, maybe it just wanted to go free, and that's all it wanted. It's like the Phoenix nice Force. Thinking. It's just floating, floating through the galaxy now. And Vin is very determined that no, it's definitely not doing that. It's out. It, it wants something, and it's controlling the Inquisitors. And it can, uh, it can change text a text, and not text messages. No, that's, that doesn't make any sense. It can change <laughs> text and create miscommunication and confusion. It knows our plans. So the Deepness is slowly choking off the livability of the outer dominances, and they're having to move people towards uh, Luthadel if they want to grow food and survive. Humanity is kind of uh, not looking great at this point. And then Ellen's like, no, I'm a member of the Church of the Survivor now, and it has only one prime commandment, survive. Which that makes sense, yeah. That sounds like something Kelsey would say. (laughs) He may have said it once or twice.
0: Sounds like something Gemel would say to Kelsier when throwing him into danger. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Survive! <laughs> throwing him off a castle. And so eventually they go back to Fatrin, and he's like, hey, why, why'd these kolas stop attacking? And Helen's like, hey, I promised you a second army, right? Here it is. Make sure your men understand this was their victory. And he tries to explain, and Fatrin's like, so you're saying that they're scared of us, so they switch sides. And Helen's just like, yeah, close enough. Just, whatever. <laughs> yeah, we'll go with that. And uh, now, Ellen, there's something in the city that Ellen is here to claim. And Fatron's like, OK, I'll come. And Vin is like, dude, did you really have to start this battle without me? And he's like, look, I didn't even know if you were going to show up. I left a message for you, but you weren't there. So I didn't know when you were going to be back. Yeah. And like my phone
0: is dead. So I, de- <laughs> I couldn't text you. <laughs> so I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I watched WandaVision without you. You know, I was <laughs> going to wait. But I didn't know when you were getting there. <laughs>
1: Oh, the, that I gotta tell you, that was tempting today. But my wife would murder me if I did that. So, I've not seen the third episode yet. Anyway, <laughs> I guess Vin was off like delivering orders to Luthadel using her. I guess she could probably move faster than anybody with her uh, horseshoe trick. So she's like the super high speed messenger. And so they go to the steel ministry building that's in town. He's like, I don't know why you want this place. Like all the obligators are gone. And basically, to make a long story short, there's another cache, a secret cave, just like the one in Luthadel hidden here, with lots of food stored away in it. Canned food, basic supplies, medicine, cloth, water. And uh, Ellen's like, okay, get some soldiers down here to start taking this stuff out. And this is when factor's like, wait a second, no, no, this is ours. <laughs> this, is, these belo- this place belongs to my people. And Ellen's like, uh, excuse me, my people, the city is now mine, as are its contents. And he's like, you came to rob us, just like those bandits that try to take the city. And he's like, no, 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 I came to conquer you. There's a difference. <laughs> Which, yeah, okay.
0: <laughs> well, that, and it's like, dude, if I had showed up, you'd all be dead from coloss So right. really, like, what? Yeah. What do you want me to do? You want me to just help you and get nothing in return? Well,
3: he, he takes. I'm, a, I'm an emperor. We don't believe in altruism.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he he'd like to believe in altruism. It's just uh, not possible right now. Yeah.
0: Yeah, well, you know, you, I give you the don't. I give you the money. You give me the donut. End of transaction. <laughs> <laughs> we don't
1: need to paper into this. Uh, Mitch Hedberg, that's he's, he's a funny guy. But no, he, he he tries to be more tactful. And he's like, look, what would happen if I just left all this stuff for you, left you alone? What happens when the secret of this giant supply of food gets out, and thousands of refugees from all around start showing up here, or a bunch of bandits when they hear about this?
0: Yeah. But on top of everything else, what he doesn't say is like, and you wouldn't even have known it was here if not for me. Mm. Like, you guys would have been sitting on all this food not knowing it, would, it even existed.
1: What he really doesn't say is that when Fatrin leaves here in a minute, Kim and Vin talk about they're going to have to move these people. There's not enough sunlight here for the plants to grow for the next harvest. So no one is staying here. They're going to be abandoning their town. Fatrin would not be happy about that either, but you got to take baby steps to get this guy on board. He's like, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you, dude. I'm going to take the stuff in this cavern, whether or not you fight me over it. But I also intend to give you the protection of my armies and the stability of my food supply. And Factor just like, okay, no, you're right. I'll get the men.
3: At least Ellen had the courtesy to do this not in the view of all his men. So it's like they don't see him just tearing this guy a new one.
1: Right. And when we see that Ellen, he regrets having to do the stuff that he's doing. He's like, I wish that it didn't have to be this way, but... Like I feel like I failed to set up the kind of government that the people deserve, but you know, you have to do what you have to do to make every, to get everyone to survive. And then we cut to Vin, and she's all sad about his disillusionment, but uh, really she's here for other reasons. She's like, yeah, all food and stuff, that's all great, but I want to see what's on like
3: the secret plate and stuff. Yes, what what instructions have the Doomsday Preppers left us?
0: <laughs> she's looking for that adium, that sweet sweet adium fix.
3: She is.
1: Oh, Adium is distinctly less important now that uh, Electrum is the thing that they know about.
0: Yeah, I guess the the Lord Ruler wanted to keep the keep Electrum a secret from the nobility so that only he would have a way to fight Adium if he didn't have any.
1: Well, really, I think it would have destroyed the Adium economy if people had known about that, and that was apparently one of his primary ways of keeping control over the nobility. So it's kind of important to keep that Electrum a secret. And is uh, like, dude... Vin, the Lord Ruler must have known that someday, like, the mist would return, so he c- created these supply depots. And imagine, like, the effort that it would take. And You'd have to, like, rotate the food. I mean, it's canned food, but it doesn't last forever. you got to rotate out in fresh food. And he's been doing it for maybe hundreds of years without anyone noticing. And Vin's like, well, it's not really that hard to keep secrets when you're the god emperor with a fanatical priesthood. But Ellen takes it as a good sign. If the Lord Ruler was preparing stuff, then he must have thought that they could win this fight like why bother preparing to keep people alive if you didn't think they had a chance. And Vin is not as encouraged by this, but and she's bringing up all the bad stuff. She's like, "Ash is following falling pretty much all the time now. If the mists don't kill off next year's crops, the ash is going to coloss gathering in the outer dominances, bad things are happening long term." I also love that when he tries to talk about Kelsier, she's like, "Look, am I the only one who sees the irony in the fact that we call Kelsier the survivor and he has this whole survivor legend, but he's dead." He committed suicide to let himself become a martyr. How is that surviving? Which yeah, she got a point. Yep, can't argue with that. But the people need something to give them hope, right? And they kind of have to. They they have this argument, and then they're like, "I'm sorry, you know, I don't want to argue," but they're very strained here, and you can tell that. That's how this stuff comes out, and what they really came for. And well, I mean, Ellen definitely wants the food and supplies and stuff, but they find the metal plaque, the plate on the wall. And the message left behind is, this is the last metal I will tell you about. I have trouble deciding its purpose. It allows you to see the past in a way, what a person could have been, and who they might have become had they made different choices. Like gold, but for others. Uh, the mists have likely come again. Foul, hateful things. Scorn it. Do not go out in it. It seeks to destroy us all. But, pro tip, you can control the coloss and the Condra if you use several people at once to push on their emotions. Which, that was, that was new for our friends and for us, is that, hey, we can get, like, a bunch of soothers together
3: to do it. It seems, like, a bit unfocused. Like, he's he's, he's talking about, don't go out in the mists, don't go out in the mists. You know, you can control the cantra and the coloss by doing this. I'm like, what does that have to do with the mists? Like, you were talking about one topic and just jumped to a completely different topic, dude. Well, I mean, first he talks about the metal,
1: and then he jumps to the completely different topic of the mists, and then a completely different topic again. So, it I, I agree. It seems a little bit unfocused.
3: Well, yeah, at least, and at least then he's the got the PS. Before the PS.
1: Yeah, uh, he does have a PS. We'll get there in a sec. So the plate had been r- written by the Lord Ruler, they think. Somebody said they kind of disagreed with that, so we may get there in a second. And it says that this is... Each of the previous ones had contained plates like this. They'd learned about Electrum in, or Ortu, however you say that. That's where uh, Strat ventures from. In another one, they'd found the description of Aluminum, but they already knew about that one. And now they also have a direction to the next storage cavern. It says, just like in the other three storage caverns, they found a map depicting the final empire, Luthadel, a square in the middle, and an X on the location of the next and final cavern. There were five, they thought. The first one near the Well of Ascension. Then it doesn't say, but we saw the name of the city in in the last book. Uh, Stilton City, I think. Something like that was what the second city was Mm -hmm. called. The third one had been in ur to, I gotta figure out how to pronounce that because it's gonna come up some more, and that one had led them to this one, and each map has numbers a five and a lower number, so that's counting up to five. This is four of five, so that's why they think there's five total. And it's in the next last one is in Phadrex City, where Set is from, so they're like, oh well, he'll be happy about that, finally go and conquer his uh, his hometown back, and Vin or Ellen, I'm not sure that it's clear who thinks that the last one must finally be where the Lord Ruler, Ruler's Adium stash is hidden, because they still haven't found
0: it in all his time. Which would be pretty ironic, like, sets like, I'm coming to Luthadel to get the Adiums, like, oh, yeah. hey, it's, Adium <laughs> was where you live, bro. Yep. So, I, uh, I, yeah, I mean, if it is there, that's ironic.
1: The big-ass treasure hunt to get to that Adium, but, yeah, he's
3: gonna be pissed off
1: if he finds that out. <laughs> You mean I was the richest guy in the whole empire all along?
3: Damn It's it. like the only way he would be more pissed if is if you make Orion is the one who tells him. <laughs> <laughs> don't you understand, said Your real
0: treasure was your family. Fuck that! I should have had Adium! <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> I could have hired so many misborn. And Ellen's like, don't get too excited. We don't know if the Adium is in the final cavern. And Vin's like, it has to be. Where else is it going to be? And he's like, I don't know. If I can answer that, we would have found it already. Okay which is a little snarky, I think, but (laughs) a good line though. Yeah, that's good. (laughs) And there's an interesting thing in the annotations here because it says originally Brandon had planned for there to be 11 or 12 storage caches. The one in this town was still going to be the second to last. We would have just come into this book with them already having found like the 10 in between or whatever, but it made each one. And especially now they're going to go and, you know, have to have this big fight for the last one to reconquer the city or whatever it made each one seem less important when there were that many of them. So he cut it down to only like five so that you get more of a sense that each one actually is really important and you understand why they're working so hard to get it, whether or not there's adium there.
3: Yeah. Cause it's like, if you got 11 caches all full of food and it's like, shit, you've got a lot of food.
1: Yeah. And Ellen points out, he's like, even if we find the adium, I don't know what good it's going to do us at this point. Like, do we need more money? And Vince's like, no, we can use it to fight. And he's like, you're gonna fight the mists with Adium? Like, how's that gonna work? But she makes a good point that you could fight the Colossus with Addium. That would be helpful. And she's like, Adium is part of all this. It's only valuable because of Alamancy. But Alamancy didn't exist until after the Ascension. So there's got to be some connection, some relevance here. Which I think is maybe kind of a stretch, but this might just be, you know, her her gut again. And Ellen Ellen is Joe because he's like, I don't like all these unanswered questions. Like, what's what's up with the Adium? Why did that nugget of metal make me
0: Mistborn? Why
1: was it at the Well of Ascension in the first place, and who put it there?
0: These are all good questions. Also, why was it just hanging out on the floor? Like, <laughs> you think you got a nugget that gives people superpowers, you wouldn't leave it on the floor.
1: It was hidden in a pile of, like, broken pottery or something, right? And it was, like, in a piece of pottery itself, so maybe...
3: Uh, it's just that Rashek oh. man. He loses his wallet, he loses his keys, he loses his bowl of superpower granting metal. That
1: guy... You know, when you're a thousand years old, it's easy to forget about some of this stuff. But they 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 debate a little bit, and Ellen's like, well, regardless, it'll be worth the effort to take Fatrax, if only for the supplies that they have. And to know what other message the Lord Ruler might have left behind. Which, it's not gonna be another medal, because he just told them, this is the last medal I'm gonna tell you about. But, uh, and this is where it comes up, it's like, hey, did you tell all these people that you're gonna have to move them to Luthadel? And he's like, no, they're not gonna like that. They're becoming independent. Like, I hoped that they would, but the worst possible time yeah it's like they can't survive here so and we need all the farmers we can use back in luthadel to grow more food for everyone and this is where she finds the ps scratched into the metal by the the, presumably lord ruler be careful what you speak it can hear what you say it can read what you write only your
0: thoughts are safe that's troubling yeah yeah but it would explain a lot, you know, why the Inquisitors always know where they're going next, because they're mm-hmm. talking about it. But yeah, that's uh, that's no fun if your enemy can know everything you do except for your own thoughts. It's very isolating.
1: Yeah, you she, she can even talk to Ellen about whatever she's thinking if you can hear what. Yeah, it's it's very uh,
3: it's very sad. Data was it a- 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 and and in Dresden Files who can do that? Oh
1: yeah, who can listen in and uh, on people, right? The yeah, Master of Shadows. Where-
3: Just wherever they are, he can always just hear them as long as there's
1: a shadow there. Yeah, maybe this thing needs shadows too. We don't know, (laughs) possibly. And she's like, I have to find a way to defeat or outsmart this thing that I've let out, and I can't even talk it over with anyone, or it will know what I'm planning. And then we get another epigraph. And see, what I really like about these is we've talked about before how. There was no way for us to know what happened at the Well of Ascension after Rashek got there and took the power and did whatever because he was the only one who knew, and he was dead. So unless we found his real journal somewhere where he wrote all this out, there was no way for us to know until, apparently, somebody else gets some, the power and uh, is able to tell us about it. So that's nice.
3: I was, I was going to say, it can't possibly be another journal because if it was, that would be the epigraphs. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, there's got to be, like, uh, inherited memory or something for the hero who takes the power. Yeah,
1: maybe. Something. Because obviously there's a lot of information about Rorschach and what he did here. Although, it also seemed like this person was kind of guessing a little bit. They were like, I believe this might be what happened. So maybe it's just, like, an educated guess at this point. After getting the power come,
0: come see the violence inherited in the system. <laughs> help, help, I'm
1: being repressed. So this says, Rasek soon found a balance in the changes he made to the world, which is fortunate for the power burned away quite quickly. Though the power he held seemed immense to him, it was only a tiny fraction of something much greater. Of course, he did end up naming himself the Sliver of Infinity in his religion, so perhaps he understood more than I give him credit for.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'd forgotten about that
1: nickname. So would I. Either way, we have him to thank for a world without flowers, where plants grow brown instead of green and where the people could survive in an environment where ash fell from the sky. So, thanks, Roshik Good job, dude. I don't know, if I'm trying to think of a way to get rid of the mist, I don't know that moving the planet closer to the sun is my first thought, but uh, maybe that's just me.
0: Well, I don't know about you guys, but since we discovered that Rorschach was indeed the Lord Ruler, I mean, we don't get a lot of information about Rorschach as a person other than he's young, brash, and angry. But my thought is, Maybe he just isn't that intelligent. So Mm. when he gets this power, and he thinks, "Oh, I, you know what? 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 What would a smart guy do? He'd just move the planet. (laughs) What a smart guy do? (laughs) Yeah. And and so he's doing all these things because he doesn't. He knows he has the power to do it, and that's just the first idea that comes to him. And he doesn't stop to consider. You know, he's not stopping to consider is this a good idea. He's just like, "Oh yeah, I know how to do that. I'll just do that." That's a really good point. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
2: And then he gets himself into a situation where he's just putting band-aids on band-aids on band-aids yeah. trying to fix what he's done rather than actually being able to reverse anything that he's done. It's like, oh, oh, well, that wasn't, that wasn't great. I might try this. Oh, mm, that's a new problem. Well, maybe we'll create this new problem to cover up that problem.
3: <laughs> he never discovered Control Z.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, and honestly, that may be the most worrying part about all of it is that whoever has the power now. One of the first things they said was, like, I have this knowledge or this ability to move a planet, but I have no way of knowing, like, where to put it so it's not too close or too far away. And I think that's what happened to rashek Considering that that is apparently what happened to rashek at least we think, per the epigraphs, how do you fix that? Like, even if somebody else gets the power now, if they don't have that knowledge either, then how do you undo what he did? How do you yeah. bring back green plants?
0: And, I mean, we haven't gotten to this... Epigraph yet, but it sounds like maybe it's not fixable.
1: Mm, yeah, okay. Well let's I guess let's hit this since it's the really short chapter. I was I told you I was like the shortest chapter that we're gonna read, but uh we're back in Marsh's head. And uh he says lucidity often comes upon him suddenly when Ruin wasn't watching too closely, like waking from a nightmare. Oh, poor Marsh.
2: What a way to live, huh? That's yeah. just awful.
1: It's no wonder he wants to kill himself. Mm. Yeah,
0: it's no good. It's no good.
1: And if he tries to struggle in the least amount, Ruin immediately takes control over him again. It says sometimes he manages to quiver a finger or halt a step, but that's the best he can do. <laughs> he thinks, you know what I need to do? I need to go crazy, and then I wouldn't have to deal with this.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's how tense felt. Uh,
1: that's yeah I was. It, it makes me think of the uh, yeah. of name of the wind, I think where it talks about the doors that the mind goes through mm. to escape.
0: Things. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. That's what these people need is some
1: alarm. <laughs> and so he's with a bunch of other inquisitors just walking around, swishing their robes, but they don't talk because they're all being controlled by ruins. So there's nothing to talk about. And he talks about how they all have the normal spikes, but you can also tell that they have some new spikes. Marsh himself has a bunch of new spikes. They were a beautiful thing. He didn't understand why, but they excited him. <laughs> the Lord Ruler had held back some abilities to make Inquisitors more dependent upon him. But now they could take them. Uh, and then he thinks, what a beautiful world, as he watches the ash fall.
2: I just and thought that's... that was sad, because that was, that was his end, the end of his moment of being lucid. Because um, yep. all of a sudden he was like, oh no, this is really pretty again. And it's like, oh no, Marsh, we've <laughs> lost you again.
1: Oh, this poor dude. So, yeah, just a quick Marsh chapter so that uh, we can keep up with him. It says in the annotations that uh, he wanted to use more of Marsh, but – and there were a bunch of uh, complaints from alpha readers because everyone loves Marsh apparently. (laughs) And they didn't like in book – he says in – I'm sorry. This is from book two, that he wanted to use more Marsh but couldn't, and there were complaints from alpha readers because Marsh was one of their favorite characters. And they didn't like how he disappeared throughout most of the book, which we had the same discussions here, right? So – not surprising.
3: Well, I think for us it was less that uh, he was one of our favorite characters. I mean, I like the guy. I wouldn't rate him like as one of the top characters. But we've said multiple times that bit with him and Sazed at the start of the book was one of the most interesting bits of the book, and we just wanted more of that. Mm-hmm. And then to just withhold that was what set us off. Well, yeah. it's funny
1: because when we got to the end, you realize that that whole bit with him and Sazed like it reads completely differently, knowing what you know <laughs>
0: about it later. It's a total ruse. It's like, yeah, Sazed, I need your help oh hey i'm gonna walk away now and you be by yourself and find this thing
1: but uh brandon says the problem that he runs into and ran into in that book was you can't show too much of what marsh is doing because that reveals what ruin is planning and trying to do and he says that later on in some of the marsh chapters we'll get more information but at this point he felt like you know it's a little early in the book to reveal too much So that's why we get this short chapter to be like, hey, here's Marsh, he's still doing stuff, but Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna not gonna give you too much info yet.
0: I mean, on just from what we've read, it seems like Ruin's trying to create like a legion of ruin, you know, just like inhabiting as many bodies as possible.
1: That's not what you want. No. And our last epigraph for this week. I speak of us as we, the group, those of us who are trying to defeat and discover ruin. Perhaps my thoughts are tainted now, but I like to look back and see the sum of what we were doing as a single, united assault, that we're all involved in different processes and plans. We were one. That didn't stop the world from ending, but that's not necessarily a bad thing.
0: Yeah, bleak. That is bleak. Yeah. I don't know what's gonna happen. Like, are they all gonna get on a spaceship and leave Skadriel? Like, what's happening? The <laughs> spaceship is just
1: gonna land, like, at the very end of the book when no. they're all about to die, and they're like, get on board! Come with me if you want to live!
0: Yeah. Sazed is, uh, Sazed is gonna, like, get the knowledge to use a volcano to shoot them uh, into outer everybody. space. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh Okay, the, the, this is my new hope for the end of this book, is uh, the spaceship volcano thing. Uh <laughs> In the uh, annotations here, he talks about in this epigraph, the author is discussing that he slash she is going to refer to each group as we, and he feels that's very important, and most readers skip over that. But what he's trying to do with this, what Brandon is trying to do with this, is saying you're not going to be able to guess who the epigraph writer is by looking at which part of the book they discuss, and they're like, yeah, we did this, because they're the epigraph writer is going to be referring to all of the good guys as we, basically, because... Uh.
2: So Assuming we haven't already one. figured yeah. it out, Brandon.
0: Assuming you haven't already figured out <laughs> <that. laughs> I think uh, I think we might have Brandon, you know? <laughs> you thought you were so smart, your brain was so big. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and then and then we'll get to the end of the book and he will and uh he'll be laughing as like, wow, well, you never expected that the hero of ages was Orianne.
0: Oh, <laughs> oh I no. Would slam the book that down would be unexpected. <laughs> I would uh, I would burn my Kindle just so that no <laughs> so no book could besmirch it.
1: It's it's gonna be spook. I've been telling you since book one it's gonna be spook.
0: So Lestiborns? Man, yeah.
1: Let me See, tell you, I ya, would
2: buy that more than all again.
0: When you're writing a <laughs> when you're writing a spook rap, it's not easy to rhyme Lestiborns with stuff. <laughs> I believe that. Yeah. So. Uh, the f- the first line of the spook rap is Wuzzing to the whizzle, it's your boy spook dizzle. <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh my gosh oh, I love it so much. Yeah, <laughs> I
0: should uh I should read you guys what I have so far. I I gave up on it like a couple weeks ago, but I I guess I could go back now with fresh eyes. Oh my gosh.
1: <laughs> You're gonna record just record it and it will be a special release on even if yeah. it's not finished. It will make it a special <laughs> YouTube release.
0: We'll put that, it on the camp. We you all made it a wake-off. Enjoy this
3: cents.
1: instead.
0: You can buy it for yeah. 99 cents. Yeah. Spook rap, 99 cents on Bandcamp. Coming, you know, t- TBD. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, but the first the, the first line of this chapter is they gave him bones, which sounds kind of mean, but it, it's, you know, 10 soon, so it's a good thing.
0: It sounds hot, what? if you ask me, but...
1: Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, they had I guess that wasn't funny. <laughs> I, I just, yeah, no. Yeah. These are bones that apparently conjure have just brought back over the centuries from their contracts. So they just keep like a closet full of various bones in case people need them. They didn't kill any of them, of course, because the contract forbade that, but you know, they just have, they have bones.
3: I just picturing me throwing like a sack of bones into this pit, just going, are we sure these are all human? And then Tensoon comes out and he's like made a minotaur somehow. And they're just like, Oh, okay.
1: <laughs> he might be able to do that anyway, but he can make some like horns or something. Okay. Yeah. So they give Tensoon some bones. And he makes like a body, not anybody in particular, just he he makes a human body around it. And then there's a moment of realization. He's like, oh, like I created like a normal opaque body and everyone else is wearing like true bodies that, as they call them, a set of false bones, human shaped, crafted by Chondra artisans. And this guy, one of his captors, Varcel, has a true body made of quartz and he leaves his skin translucent so that you can see the quartz through his body. This is the cantor
3: equivalent of bling.
0: Yeah. Yeah, kinda. <laughs> I, uh, I, I'm trying to get like a visual on this because it's like apparently all the facial features are still there. Like they still have noses and mouths, but you can see through the skin to the bones. Yep. So it's like you can see the skeleton the colorful skeleton, but then you can also see, it's just a, that's a weird thing, right? Cause when normally when you see, like, even if somebody showed you a photograph of like a person where you could like a, like an artist rendering of a person where you could see through the skin into the bones, you don't normally, you're not normally able to see the facial features on top. So that's, it's kind of a weird thing to think about visually. Yeah. I
1: don't know. For some reason in my brain, it's kind of like the water people from Futurama. Uh, if they had bones in the middle. I don't know if that makes any sense, but that's kind of how I picture it.
0: Yeah. Well, you can't drink a conjure that we know of. <laughs> we still
1: don't <laughs> know what Tenstone did to uh mm. Or, soar, so you probably you probably can win that boneless.
0: That that may be true.
1: Uh, he said that he was like a bunch of slugs, so you, I don't know that yeah. you
0: drink slugs. Well it's like a big of yeah. muscle, right? It's just, yeah, it's like muscle. a fatty oh, muscle yeah. blob that defecates yeah, sure. somehow, which is the disgusting. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, and, uh, Varcel, his captor, who he says is from, uh, he knows most of the 6th and 7th generations up to the 6th and 7th generations. I guess it doesn't say which generation this guy is from.
0: Uh, yeah, it does. It says he's from the 5th generation. Oh, okay. Yeah. I just, I just looked over that, I guess.
1: But anyway, Varcel's like, oh, I just picked a random set of bones. It's ironic that I gave you a set that was originally yours. And they, oh yeah, there's where it says he's from the 5th generation. So they had assumed that... It would take him longer to create a body. And so since he did it so fast, they were like, oh, this must be one that he's worn before. And after this conversation, they're kind of standing around. Oh, we find out that this guy has, uh, Varsel, has the blessing of potency. And so do the other fifths that are standing there. Mm-hmm. Tensoon saw two sparkling rods of metal embedded in the clear muscles at their shoulders.
0: So they're also using heme allergy? I don't know what is going on. I, I will say, you skipped over the best part where, you know, your boy Tenson's act like a G. He's like, nah, dog, I, uh, I'm i just really good. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> well, and right right around that, when he says, I've never worn these bones before, and Varsel eyes him, and that's when it says he's of the fifth generation. We find out that our estimation last time was kind of spot on, because he says, Tenson's third generation, this guy's fifth generation, and he says that's about two centuries apart, which is what Joe estimated last time. He's like, if they're about 100 mm-hmm. years... So, good job there. But even among the third generation, Tenzin's like few of them are as good as me, basically. Um top-notch. But we already knew that from last time when he like formed the around the skull so that he could talk much faster than they expected. <laughs> we get it's a they're, they're kind of just sitting there staring at each other and Tenzin's like are are we going to go or Invarso's like oh, it was supposed to take you longer to make the body. You kind of weren't expected this early.
2: Yeah, it's we are really uh, you know, we you got a schedule. Wait in the waiting area. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> the waiting area. We we have some nice seats out there. Some magazines. Yeah. Someone will be with um, you as soon as possible.
0: This is this is way off topic. I just I just received this text that says "May Phil" and uh the first line of the text is "Hey, this is Steve."
1: <laughs>
0: so, <laughs> but
1: it might be Phil. It's
0: not. It's not Phil. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh steve that guy so crazy whoever he is <laughs> and so uh after after marcel says they expected to take longer ten like second generation's unpracticed and they assume that everyone is as slow as their old asses okay he's a little nice burn
0: <laughs> What's a he's Tenzin's the on second, on second generation off. he is i know right man he's he's really coming uh, off like a badass in this in this chapter Second
3: generation of old men and fools.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's he's he's
1: not being nice to them. Yeah. And Marcel's like, dude, though, that's your elder generation. Show them respect.
0: He's like, uh, you know, how I show respect. I suck in my genitalia and make it smooth like a Ken
2: doll.
1: <laughs> and uh, Tenson remarks on the irony of that because he's like, well, I'm third generation. This guy's fifth generation. So he should kind of be showing me respect per that same argument. But apparently the thirds have always been a special case, and that is why the seconds kept them out on contract so much. Interesting. It's like, man, our kids are all
3: assholes.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that couldn't possibly reflect on you, right?
3: (laughs) Oh, goodness. And they're just like, I didn't choose the slug life. The slug life chose me. Boom. (laughs) (laughs) Why are you doing these things? Where did you learn it? I learned it from
0: you, Dad.
1: (laughs) Apparently the fifth generation is the current favorites of the second, and they also like stone true right. suck bodies. Yeah, suck up, exactly. But he says they're all wearing stone true bodies, like Barcel has the, the stone, and so these other guys. So apparently that's the popular style with the fifth generation. Yeah. So apparently it seems like their whole like homeland is kind of underground, because it talks about the rock tunnels that they're going through and stuff. Everything we've seen so far is kind of underground, at least. I guess we don't know. Also, he's lost weight while he's been in prison, so he's he's really slim now, looking good.
0: I think he say he's looking bad. Normally, he would make like muscles and stuff, and he can't.
1: Yeah, no, you're right. He hasn't been working out. It's too bad. <laughs> and Tencent thinks he's been away too long. The eleventh generation must have been chosen by now. So that's an interesting way of putting it. Not born, chosen. Well,
2: he 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 was, yeah, they're like, like uh is unborn or something.
1: Yes, uh, I
0: think yeah. you're right. It'd be awesome if there were like misrith like auditions to become full-fledged (laughs) chondra it's like they have a show every 100 years where they pick out the next generation of chondra it's like a competition
3: sorry now here's your bag of bones let's see what kind of body you make oh oh shit i haven't practiced this um (laughs) all right george he's got the bones let's see what body he comes up with this
0: time oh no oh damn it yep that's his uh that's a turd it's not even a body. <laughs> oh my
3: gosh. Son, I don't know how you did this, but you've taken this bag of deer bones and somehow you've turned yourself into a dog. Like, I'm kind of impressed. Yeah, yeah but that'd be not... impressive. What are you talking about? Yeah. Impressed, actually, entirely. This uh,
0: this man seems to have taken the exoskeleton of a beetle and turned himself into a button. Not sure what he thought that would do, but
1: there you <laughs> have it it's very harry potter don't they turn beetles into buttons at yeah. one point they sure do um, but yes jamie's right they called the, uh, he it says he wonders about the unbirthed the h- creatures that humans call the mistraits, if they were more honest than their brother the Condra, because they form whatever bodies they want and the Condra tend to go for human shapes he also yeah. he, he doubts that there will be a 12th generation father is dead well we, we don't we do know about their dad being
3: mm-hmm. yeah Uh, The slug monsters have daddy issues.
1: What a (laughs) sentence. Yeah, I didn't think you'd be saying that, did you?
3: Nope. You are entirely accurate.
1: He realized that they are heading for the capital T Trust Warren, his people's most sacred place, and that is where he will argue his case. He year of torturous imprisonment had earned him a trial before the first generation. And if he failed, he would have eternity to think about what he'd done wrong. So, yeah, that, Joe's right. That's also quite a short chapter.
3: My mistake was asking for a trial.
1: <laughs> I mean, his other option was to be melted. So, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah. between being melted and living a little while longer, I think you might pick living a little while longer.
1: Well, but it's not living a little while longer, it's living forever in a hole. Oh, that's
0: true. Yeah, who knows? Yeah.
1: Unless the world actually ends and then maybe he's cool. I don't, you know.
0: Yeah. Not, you know, yeah, blows up. He's fine. He's like, he's dead. He's like, okay, I'm happy.
3: <laughs> in, in, in a plot twist it turns out ten soon is the final villain he blows up the planet so that he can get out of his imprisonment
0: yeah Ooh, what if the conjure are the ones that have the spaceships
3: yeah
1: that's what it is yeah i was about to say the ships. spaceships got to come into this somewhere
0: they turn themselves well, what, what, what into if, spaceships like i was gonna say what if
3: they are the spaceships yeah if, <laughs> well it,
0: like
3: like ten, ten soon mentions like if they eat like they still maintain human forms even with their true bodies what if they just ate a whole bunch of steel beams and girders and just turned themselves into a ship?
0: Yeah, and they're just like you. They even make the transformer noise, like wah. Ah, ah,
1: ah. See, now you <laughs> got me thinking of, of Captain Marvel, where someone asks the the scroll, is like, could you turn into a filing cabinet? And he's like, why Why would I want to be a filing cabinet? Yeah, because because you can. <laughs> anyway, that's the end of the four chapters. Let's let's get into predicaments, people. Who, who went first last time? I don't know. And I never remember. I um, I
0: I'll, I'll go since go. I started everything today. That's fine. So let me go back to the beginning here. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to maintain what we've been saying. Sazed is the one writing the epigraphs and therefore the self-proclaimed hero of ages. Okay. Um, it seems to fit more, especially since he's writing about Rorschach. And I mean, come on, who, who, who is smarter than Sazed in this, uh, in this group of people? <laughs> So I, here. yeah, yeah. So, also the most literate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All of these things. Yeah, so like I talked about before, I don't think says is going to find what he's looking for. And there's going to be, I, I predict there's going to be a moment when he has to make a decision on, do I give up completely or do I keep going? And I assume there's going to be some kind of trigger that basically, like, tells him, like, I got to keep going. Tin will's gone. I can't find what I want from this religion, but I can't stop. Um, there are people who count on me and depend on me, and he's just a good person. He's that kind of person, so. I predict that Forsay's Breeze... I don't know what's going on with Breeze, maybe. Maybe Breeze... Um, I, don't, I don't have any predictions for him just yet. I predict that they will eventually get to this last cache, but I, I don't know. I'm really, i I'm with Ellen. I don't think the is going to be there.
1: Where's the Adium, then? I,
0: I don't know. I really do I have no idea. Okay. But I don't think it's going to be there. Just because like i don't know it just doesn't it doesn't make a lot of sense to me like he just, just because vin the, thinks it's there so yeah, not like possibly nah, be that. there uh, like what, what he really diverted all the adium to this other city and then like you know set took over the city and didn't know anything about it which i mean obviously they didn't know about any of these caches but right still i don't know it just seems like it seems like another setup for failure cuz i feel like every first hope in these books it's like oh that doesn't work out you know so, um, I don't know how long it's going to take him to get to that cache, but I don't, I don't know that it's going to be there. Marsh, oof, man, I don't even have anything to say about Marsh other than uh, my prediction, I guess, is that Ruin is trying to make a legion of people that he can control. Back to the last chapter before the Marsh one, I think maybe the, the steel uh, spike, if he had stabbed Ellen with it, maybe that would have given Ruin control over Ellen. That's maybe why I think he tried to stab Ellen with it, because they've never tried to stab people with spikes before, so... Or maybe it would suck up all his Mistborn power. I don't know. Um, but that's my guess, is that Ruin, if he stabbed him with that uh, Spike Ruin, would be able to take control of him. And Tenson I think he will have his trial. And, you know, here's what I'm going to predict. I don't think it's likely, but what I really love, if it was like a Halo situation where he's like the Arbiter and he goes before them and they're like, they condemn him. But then they're like, oh, hey, by the way, we condemned you, but uh, we, we have a mission for you. We need you to do some stuff for us.
1: Go kill Vic. Yeah, sure. We're going to banish you from the conjurer, which means you're not held by the contract anymore, so you're the only one who can kill her. Yep. But I don't think Ten Sun would do that.
0: No, and you're putting those words in my mouth, so uh, I, hey, I you, didn't say that.
1: You're the one who said yup at the end of it, so clearly. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I, just, I just agree with whatever you say. For the record, that's not true at all.
1: <laughs>
0: no, no. I was right about the Peruvian penguins, and I could be right about this. that's a that's a super inside joke that nobody will
3: ever get anyways what not even yeah what (laughs) yeah that's
0: like that's an old family joke when i was a kid uh well i guess i'll explain it when i was a kid uh, i had to do a book report on penguins we all got different penguins Uh, i think i was like in third grade so i was like i don't know eight um we got a report we had to do a report on on a different kind of penguins and they gave me the peruvian penguin it's like they gave me the report in school and so I knew they I mean, why would they tell me to report on them if they didn't exist? And my brother was like convinced, data was convinced they'd prove in penguin like penguin it's too hot in Peru. Penguins don't live there. And so, um <laughs> my our granddad had these old encyclopedias called World Books, and we looked and so it's like you just look up anything you want in there. It was like Google before Google. So you just like look it up and sure enough, it's like proving Penguins.
1: And he's never let yeah. me forget it one day in the last uh What's that's like twenty years now?
3: No, oh, I mean more than that.
1: More than that, yeah.
3: But I mean, come on, that is like the best line ever. It's like, well, I was right about the Peruvian penguins. <laughs> yeah, like, it's true. That is why, just an awesome line. Why, why up. do you
0: think I, I'm still saying it now when I'm 31, oh, yeah. 32? Oh
3: gosh. Yeah, see, it's Dator, It's not about you anymore, and and how you were wrong <laughs> about it. It's more just like that like I can't let that line go to waste.
0: Yeah, uh, it's Peruvian penguins, man.
3: It's it's a it's a liter it's a too.
0: Peruvian penguins. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh anyway, was the, did you get to the end of your predicaments before we hit penguins? Yeah, no, yeah. Okay.
0: Okay.
2: <laughs> Jamie, you want to go? Sure. So, I'm really interested in the 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 metal bits in the Khandra. So, we've we've looked at it before from obviously the inquisitors were created and have metal all through them. We've looked at the Coloss that they had those little metal pins in them as well that they took out from when a whole bunch of them died. And I think we spoke about before that these, the, the Kandra didn't, like what did they have? They didn't have that. And so I was quite pleased to know that they did have something, but there's still that line from from book two that was like we are, uh, that you are of ruin and we are of preservation. So mm-hmm. I don't know, is there something, I mean, so the, the, the Kandra have been created from the mist race by the sounds of it. But they have something else that's potentially, whether it's controlling them or looking out for them or, I don't know, maybe maybe the fact that they're not controlled by ruin means their preservation. I'm not sure. I'm really excited to know where that's going to go, though, because I think that's going to be fairly important, especially now with the haemology and all the stabby implements and, <laughs> and things that are happening. So we'll see, we'll see what happens with that. I think we're going to see a lot more... To do with Marsh, and I really hope that Marsh does find a way to become lucid more of the time. Perhaps he finds a way to, you know, get out from from Ruin's reach. But we'll see, see what happens there. I, yeah, I don't think there's Adium at the the next cache. There's going to be something of value there, but I think it's going to be a really big struggle to take that city. Seth's going to be really excited to take it because mm-hmm. that's what he's wanted. For a while uh-huh. to take it back. But I think this is this is gonna be gearing us up for a fairly large battle, I think, for for this one. So yeah, that'll be that'll be interesting. Especially now they've already spoken of it. So Ruin, I guess, knows about it already. We're probably gonna move fairly quickly on that, because you think that Ruin would probably want to take it mm, earlier yeah. rather than later.
1: Yeah, they they talked out um, loud about what the city was, you're right.
2: Yeah. So that's um yeah i don't think we're gonna have to wait too long to to figure that out and especially given the the speed and the momentum of the book so far and we're you know seven chapters in but we're we're already moving you know we're not we're not just sitting around formulating plans and and things like that Mm -hmm. i think we'll we'll get moving there fairly quickly so interested to see where that goes but yeah that's that's probably all i've got all right
1: that makes sense And now now you got me scared. It's like, oh, crap. We just found out that he can hear everything you say. And they said where they were going. So, yeah, there's no chance that he uh, couldn't get there before them if he wanted. Oh,
0: yeah. Or it, I
1: guess. Yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah, they're not going to have time on their side to to figure it all out. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe Tensoon will, will join up with them again and, and have this way of, of being able to read minds or something, a different way of <laughs> communicating, and we'll be able to talk, you know, communicate without words, and all of a sudden it'll be like, ah, this is great. You know, maybe, just... maybe Ruin can't read preservation and that metal, you know, inserted into potentially humans could give them the power to communicate non-verbally with mm. each other, you know, and that might be the edge they need. To, to formulate their plans or something. I don't know. Just a bit I like forward. that.
1: That's some outside-of-the-box thinking. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and really, we, we... Sign language. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. It says that he can see stuff that's written, so maybe he could see what you... I don't know. But... Uh... but if you,
2: like, I thought about it, if you had a code or something, you'd have to communicate the code yep. to other people. So even, like, if you were going to learn sign language, then presumably it could learn to read sign language as well. Or if you were to say, you know, okay, now we're going to call ruin um a daisy then (laughs) you know like eventually you're gonna have to tell someone that that's that's how you're going to communicate about it and it's going to know so their hands are tight like they literally cannot communicate any of these ideas to each other you kind of just have to look intensely and be like okay trust me (laughs) follow me and trust me
3: does it say you can see them or just they can hear them because if they find a silent way of communicating without writing things down like like sign language maybe that'll work uh okay let's see presumably what they can
2: uh... see writing though
3: yeah uh it says
1: be careful what you speak it can hear what you say it can read what you write only your thoughts are safe so it says it can read what you write it doesn't necessarily say it can see what you write i don't know how it could read it if it couldn't see it
3: but... right it's like the archive in the dresden files it's like yeah, as soon I mean, you maybe. write something down it's aware of that there is recorded language somewhere
1: I like random note, I like that the Jamie's thought was to use daisy for ruin when daisies are not a thing that they have because they have no, no. flowers in the sport.
2: <laughs> Pepperoni? <laughs> no, they don't have that either. And <laughs> <Although>, beef.
1: <laughs> you make an interesting point about Tenzoon showing up because we still don't we know that he's in the Condra homeland. We still don't know where that is. Yeah. So it could right. be like sitting under Fadrak City for all we know. That's of Morium, five, man.
0: Cash. <laughs> yeah, all the Conjure. yeah
1: Yeah, that's what's hidden there see perfect it makes complete sense um okay no i like uh i I like where some of this is going and i i do agree that this is i think this whole book is going to feel like it's moving faster compared to the last one where we didn't do a whole lot for a lot of the book
2: it couldn't get slower let's be honest
1: but we uh I, i talked about before how it's like these three books have like if they were movies they would be thematically like or stylistically different like the first one is a heist film the second one is this, like, political thriller. The third one, I think probably the closest thing that makes sense would be, like, a war
0: movie. Yeah, well, I could tell you there wasn't much thrilling about that political thriller.
1: <laughs> well, what about when they're having the big debate and or the election and all the guys show up to murder them?
0: I mean, yeah, I guess. That was I mean, over pretty quick.
1: Vin explodes dude's head.
0: Yeah, that was, that was terrifying. Yeah. I, I'll give you that. If I was watching a political thriller and then all of a sudden <laughs> right in the middle of the story, a woman crushed some guy's skull, I would be shocked and confused.
3: Yeah, I mean Skyfall would have gone very differently if like when <laughs> at the bit where uh Silva invades M's hearing, she just headbutts him and his head explodes. It's true. Yep. Like let's say Judy Dench do that. that yeah. Long. I'd watch that.
0: That was another uh, uh, another one of Ellen's brothers that she killed. <laughs> another venture. Oh, yeah. Uh,
1: okay, so, good predicaments. Do we, do we
2: have everybody? Sorry. We've got Dak's predicaments.
0: Dak. Nope. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry about that. Yeah. I'm, I got lost there. He's trying to <laughs> skip you. He's like, forget you, Dak. <laughs> We're moving on.
2: Your no. no. opinion doesn't <laughs> matter. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay, so Dak, what do you got for us today? I'm, I'm going to cut straight to that, and none of that stuff in the middle is going to make it.
3: <laughs> no, it's, it's all gold. So I still, like, I think midway through last book, I predicted the adium is all gone because it's been spent. The Lord Ruler has used it somehow. Mm. Uh, oh, yeah, in, yeah.
1: You thought it was like to hold back the deepness or something. Maybe he was using it. Yeah, yeah.
3: Yeah, and I still haven't quite ruled that possibility out. I think if they're still looking for it, I think it, it it's probably gone because it's been used. Uh, and maybe the next plate will have, like, uh, scripture saying, this is what I used the adium for. It's a And so go, ah. Oh. <laughs> Well, when when, um, the, when the Lord Ruler set up
1: these caches, he couldn't have known that the pits of Hathsin were destroyed because that happened right before he died. So it could true. even be they, something like this is how you use adium to help you defeat the deepness.
3: Yeah, because I mean we still don't know how Vin is. The mists have responded to her. She's burned metal, and the mists have somehow like she did it during the fight with Rashak himself. The mist responded to her. There's got to be yep. something to that. There's a a way that. She was doing that. Whether that's Addyam or not, I don't know because that runs counter to what we know about Addyam already. But again, another thing about these books is no one actually knows what old metals do entirely. Like there's always other uses for them that keep coming out of the woodwork that no one's really been aware of. So, so that's that possibility. Shit, I had a, I had one. I thought a second ago, and now it's just now it's escaped me. Uh oh. So. I am still on the bandwagon with the others that uh, Sazed is the person writing these epigraphs. I think that the style of, of writing sound it sounds like Sazed's voice, so I suspect that's I suspect that's who it is. It would also be you know kind of a, a really odd twist to his character arc for this book, where he starts out doesn't believe in gods and religions anymore, and then he turn he turns out to be God in the end. Um, <laughs> So like that that would be interesting. But I'm also doing that thing where it's like, oh, all three of us have, like are, are pretty well on this thought, um, and we're all agreeing with it. There might be like another trick to this that we haven't quite <laughs> figured out. Like doing that whole second guessing. That's uh, how it gets you. Thinking, what 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 if what if it turns out like at the end of the book, the hero of ages winds up being Marsh of all people? Uh Ooh. Because I mean, we're seeing a lot to do with him, and he's trying to. Br- well, not a lot, like really a few pages here and there, but he's do. He is trying to break out of the mold, and maybe the final twist of the book is he manages to overcome Ruin's control of him, and he- and then he takes the power and uses that to completely subvert Ruin itself, and that's how hmm. Ruin is disposed of. Again, like much like the Lord Ruler, they, they he has an Inquisitor, he thinks the Inquisitor is under his control, and then all of a sudden he breaks free of the control and massively subverts him. That would be a, a cool twist, I think. Yeah. The likelihood, I don't think, is high, but I think it'd just be fun to see.
1: That is an interesting idea. Well, really, at this point, and we haven't really talked about it, we have no idea how you would even get this power that the Hero of Ages is apparently going to take, because the only power we knew about was at the Well of Ascension which shows up every thousand years and Vin just used that. So unless this book's going to last a thousand years,
3: that doesn't make any sense. So, and also, uh, well, I feel like craft... when, I feel like when Vin gave up the power, ruin took it for itself. Ah, so maybe they can
1: get it back from ruin somehow.
3: Possibly. And Marsh has a direct line to ruin. So he maybe does, he can, yeah. he has some, like in his moment of lucidity, he finds the weakness. He finds a way to siphon the power to himself enough to throw off his shackles.
1: The, the epigraph that we – or one of the epigraphs we read this time also said that the the power uh, that Rakhshak took at the well is a small fraction of something much greater. So True. there may be even more to this than we kind of get at this point. Hmm, okay. Any 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 other
3: predictions? I feel like I had some, but I think I've actually forgotten them, so <laughs> they're kind of not important.
1: No. Th- those were the ones that were going to be right. It's very sad.
3: Yeah. <laughs> That were gonna be my uh like, that was gonna be like the Joe's ten soon prediction. I called it all the way back here and like no one would have seen it coming and it's like, nah, nah, it's gone now.
1: We're gonna get ten episodes in here and you're be like, oh, remember back in episode two? I was gonna predict this. Now I remember and it's just happening. <laughs> yeah, sure. And everyone whatever. would just go, Yeah, bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, we have we have three emails this week, but one of them is from Angela and she says I'm currently reading chapter 12 of Hero of Ages, and she has some thoughts up to that point. So I'm going to save that for when we get to the episode where we're doing chapter 12, which is not next week, but the week after that. So, Angela, we will come back to that when we get there. Another one is from Scott, and Scott says, great final episode for the book. I really enjoyed listening to the different opinions on the end of the book, even if I don't agree with Joe. And that's okay, by the way, he says. Oh, yeah. Uh, The whole book... I was begging for someone to pick up on the whole anything not said in metal cannot be trusted thing. I feel like you kind of emphasized it when it came up and tried to nudge the gang towards remembering it. I was surprised that Prophet Joe didn't pick it up, given his adiem like future oh, sight of Oh, so this now book. I'm
0: Prophet <laughs> Joe. Oh, my God.
1: People in the Discord have been talking about Like, Joe is just so good at making these predictions that he's going to predict the whole book when we start Hero of Ages. Because they haven't heard the, heard the first episode yet, so.
0: Oh, well, I can. Like, dis- what's he going to pick can... up on this time? I'm going to disappoint you. I could probably uh, tell you <laughs> definitively. Um, you know, I disappoint everyone I know on a daily basis. <laughs> oh, wow, that's <laughs> You will uh, you'll be no different. Oh my gosh. I mean, so I'm, I'm half joking. <laughs> like, I only disappoint half
1: the people I know. It's fine. Uh- <laughs> I can't wait to get into the third book with you guys and reliving through all the twists and turns. I do feel like you will all be happy with the book answering most of the questions you have at the moment, though I think it will also bring up more questions that may or may not be answered on our further adventures through the Cosmere. Keep up the great work. I look forward to the episodes every week. Scott. And then he says, P.S., Data, have you read Rhythm of War yet? It's probably my favorite Stormlight book yet, and I can't wait to get to it on the podcast. I have. I, I could not possibly have waited to read Rhythm of War. So uh,
0: what a cheer. it's really good. I think, wait.
1: I, I think Oathbringer may still be my favorite uh, Stormlight book, uh, but it was quite good.
3: I, I, I can't uh, wait till the podcast gets to it. Yeah, see you in five years, dude.
1: Yeah, seriously. It's going to be a little bit. Bye. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you know, it'll be an exciting trip. That's the important part. So thank you, Scott for your awesome email appreciate you listening
3: i'm sorry my comment was kind of snarky and mean i, I didn't mean <laughs> it that way i was just trying to make a stupid joke yeah. Dak, don't apologize to the Dak
1: listeners that is also that's slightly not how bitter works. that he has to wait so joe yeah. and Dak are like damn it why do we have to wait so long you, you, you guys don't want to read the fourth stormlight book right now you haven't even read the first three stormlight books
0: well i could be that's reading my them point right now. we have to get through
1: those first yeah yeah <laughs> Oh, and before that, we have to get through Warbreaker, and before that, we have to get through Lantern. Mm. It's just a, it's a whole thing.
0: Oh, well, it sounds like uh, this is going to be super great and not frustrating at all.
1: Well, and technically, it's, <laughs> it's, it's its kind of interesting because – and I, I, I probably haven't talked about it at all, but the Stormlight series is supposed to be ten books, and he's dividing it up into – unlike how Mistborn was going to be three different trilogies, Stormlight is going to be a set of five books. And then like a break in time, like 10, 15 years, he said, probably. And then another set of five books, not 10, 15 years in real life, 10, 15 years in book time. And so it's like it's like two, two sets of five books. But anyway, Mm. the second era of Mistborn takes place after the first five Stormlight books, which we didn't chronology. We didn't know until just recently when he said that. But that is not what we're going to be reading them in our read through. (laughs) So that'll be interesting, although I don't. Partly because I didn't want to wait that long to get to these other Mistborn books, and they're shorter than these, but I also think it'll be helpful to know some of the stuff in Mistborn when we get into the Stormlight. But anyway, so random fun fact is that we're definitely not reading these in uh, chronological order, and that will continue.
0: Mm. Well, do um, <laughs> you want to talk about the numbers again? That might be uh, just as boring as what you just said.
1: <laughs> anyway,
0: so our other kidding
1: is from Retro Rocket, and he says, hey, everybody. It does make me a little sad that Joe has not enjoyed the endings of these books, which I love, but he makes good points that are understandable and mentioned that neither of the endings really feels like a satisfying ending, which makes sense. And uh, I don't know that I agree with it about the first book, but uh, so on and so forth. He says he's surprised that people found Vin's control of the Coloss to be kind of like a deuce ex, but not her drawing upon the mists in the first book. Uh, Because he thought that it seemed like kind of the other way around, which I think I probably felt that way at the first time too. That it was the other way around, so I was uh, I was equally kind of like, oh, that's interesting that you see that this is that, but not the other.
0: I guess because at that point, like we, we and still we don't know what that mists thing was, right? We, and mm. even when reading it, I didn't feel like that definitively gave her the edge, even though it does say like she used it to pull the stuff out of him, right? It, like the coloss, we can wrap our heads around like she's using. Allomancy to take control over them, which turns the tide of the war immediately. Um, But I don't know. The Mist thing is just so unknown still that I, I, you know, maybe with hindsight, I will think that. But right now, I just like, I don't know.
3: Mm. It's also not saying she's really been able to replicate, whereas now controlling the Koloss has become their standard operating procedure. Yeah,
1: that's their bread and butter now. Which is good because they didn't have many humans left for their army, quite honestly, so... Although I guess they got Straff's army and Set's army. So I guess they got some more humans. Anyway. Uh, he also says, I don't think that any of you will have the same problems with the end of book three. I, I would tend to agree with that also retro rockets. So it'll be a while before we get there though. <laughs> so anyway, thank you retro rocket for your email. Other than that for next week, we are reading four more chapters, eight, nine, ten, eleven.
0: Yeah. Uh, don't forget to review and comment. Uh, our podcast, and you will you will be you will be inducted in to the misting crew.
1: Yeah, at least one of the people who you made a misting was uh, in in the Discord, and they were like, "Oh, Joe made me this. Thanks,
3: Joe." Even though you, you, you can't see that. So yeah, I can't see that. so You're welcome. I yes, I hope you guys enjoy these conversations we can't get in on. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I hope you guys enjoy
0: not interacting with us we are the worst so
1: (laughs) (laughs) apparently joe lets down half the people he knows every day so yeah uh,
0: well you know maybe 75 percent i don't know
1: (laughs) (laughs) so anyway four chapters again for next time uh that's like i said probably going to be about our average this book i finished getting the entirety of uh (laughs) the final empire uploaded to youtube and I taken a short break before I start working on the second book, but we'll get there eventually, people. Uh, it'll it'll all be there someday.
0: Yeah, I mean, don't overexert yourself. It's not your fault. I mean, I mean, uh, what what's the words I'm trying to say? It's not that it's not your fault. It's just that it's, it's all your fault. I mean, it's not imperative. That's what I'm saying. Yeah,
1: no, I mean, it's just I, I didn't feel like there was any hurry to it, which is why it hasn't all uh, happened yet. Although we have started to get a few views on some of the old ones on YouTube, so I'm happy people are enjoying that. Cool. But yeah. I think that's everything we got this week. Music by Miracle of Sound. And wuzzing to the time of next, everyone. As the towers of steel and stone crumble to dust The
2: foundations of our hope begin to rust Choking fear, scream and sound As a reaper comes to ground You turn to face it down because you must